Welcome back to that same old podcast you laughed about. Yes. Uh, hi. Welcome to Pop Rock Explosion. My name is Harold Messinger, and I'm glad you found us. Today I'm talking to Marnie Lofman, a.k.a. the Singing Jewess, as they are known to their many thousands of followers on, of all places, TikTok. We're going to talk a, a little bit about how Marnie found her way to TikTok, but they are also on SoundCloud. And now, thankfully, they are live and in person as well here on Pop Rock Explosion. Marnie's journey toward finding their voice and discovering harmony and isolation and emerging from lockdown with more music, more melodies, and deeper connections to community in person and in cyberspace. Those are all things that we're going to talk about together. We're glad you're with us on Pop Rock Explosion. Marnie Lofman is here. Hi, welcome to Pop Rock Explosion. Hi, thank you for having me. It's so nice to be here. It's great to see you and great to have you. So what does that mean, the singing Jewess? Yeah. And how'd you come up with that name? So it was actually just a very, very happenstance account name. We call it a handle. <laughs> um, I was sitting for tea with my friend right as the spring of 2021 was emerging. Mm. Things were changing. People had just gotten their first vaccination. Right. And I was thinking about my future. I had spent a lot of the time over the pandemic making music yeah. and creating a lot of music, but always kind of doing music as a personal practice, a personal practice just for my own well-being, um, my own spirit, and and especially during the pandemic, it was definitely much more of an isolated solitude, solitude practice. Yeah. Um, and I was sitting with her talking about how I want more music in my life. I had been working as a street outreach specialist in homelessness services for two years and was working with people experiencing chronic homelessness, was seeing a lot of trauma, was experiencing a lot of secondary trauma, was like mm. just needing music as kind of a resource to, to strengthen myself and, and kind of being on my own and not around other musicians. A lot of my imposter syndrome and self-doubt and self-criticism was, was, you know, on the sidelines. So I was able to really just create for myself and, and trust myself. And sh and I was talking to her about how I wanted to do music more and more in community and more yeah. Jewish music. But I said to her, you know, I'm I'm just not I'm not a real musician. I can't I can't do music. And she was like, that's not true, Marnie. You literally write amazing <laughs> music. You have taught me all the best nigunim I ever learned. She was just really really hyping me up, being a good friend as yeah. she's supposed to. And and I was like, I don't know how to even crack into any of this space or or start doing music. And she said, well, you should go on TikTok. There, I don't think there's anyone making like Jewish music on TikTok. So you should just create a Jewish a Jewish music TikTok account. Um, and and so that day it was. Wow. Um, Oh, it wasn't spring. It was January. And actually, mm. it was the beginning of the new year. But we were in okay. D.C. in her backyard and with climate change, you know, the weather all the, is all weird. The time is so elastic you, these days. Exactly. So, uh, so I went home and I recorded my first video, which was a um, video of me singing the Anigun from Rosh Hashanah, a melody from Rosh Hashanah, like the opening... And I just posted it from my from okay. my uh, garage. Anyway, and I, I literally didn't think at all about the name. I was just like, okay. I need to come up with something. I sing. Right. I'm Jewish. <laughs> What's something cute? You know, people put a lot of time into how they brand themselves. This was the most casual, unthought out thing ever. So 
singing jewish just became the account yeah Yeah, and as the account grew that was just the name and you can't really you can't go back on that so here you are it's 2021 and you're thinking or you're or you're asking yourself am i a real musician and how do i express myself pandemic everything but your friends like but you are a musician so how did you begin your life as a musician was there a moment that you remember could be even childhood or just where like hmm this is fun (laughs) I always loved to sing. I think the moment that I remember the most was one day when I was sitting, one specific day that I was sitting alone on the bus on the way home from school. And I was just looking out the window and it was, it was foggy, you know, when there's that mist on the window so you can draw on it. (laughs) And I was drawing on the window and I was just, I was sing talking to myself. So like, I was talking to myself about my day and about my friends and about school, but I was singing it in a melody. Mm. And I just, I remember that that specific day, but also I oftentimes would just sing to myself as a form of self-talk. And I used to also like read books, but melodically, like when I would read books in the library during library time in elementary school, I would... Mm. I would always read them to tunes. Like it was so fun for me. I wasn't paying any attention to the words, but it was like the words were an excuse for me to make up a melody. And so um, those were some of my earliest memories of like being a creator or being creative in that way. My first memories of really leading music were were in spiritual or prayer spaces. I'm not sure how spiritual they were actually, but they were (laughs) religious prayer spaces. They were spaces where spirituality might or might not have been occurring. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, so. How old were you when you were doing that? uh, Elementary school, middle school. Mm. Yeah. In, in day, in Jewish day school. So I was. So people had, people were aware other people were aware that you like to sing. Yes. And you're now. Yeah. People thought I had a good voice, a Mm -hmm. nice voice. Yeah. I was in musicals. So fifth grade, I was in, uh, or was it fifth grade honk the musical, which was this British show that had won a Tony and we we brought it to our, to our, (laughs) to our middle school or elementary school. And I played the ugly dunk, the ugly duckling. And like, um, I, are you a public school or are you a Jewish? I was at a Jewish day school. Okay. And then I played like one of the three Josephs and Joseph in my... There's uh, always at least three Josephs. There's always, the, yeah. You have to give multiple <laughs> people the main part. And I used to also have a lot of like leads at, at Camp Vermont, Canada, my Jewish summer camp. So I loved singing and, yeah, you know, and I had always been doing that. But it was like a fun thing for me. And I think my family was very clear. Musician isn't a career. Mm. We don't, you know, like you have a good voice. Like you can do that on the side always. On the side. My grandpa was in a choir, you know, so they right. were like, you can, you can just do that. Plenty of way to do that on the side. But you also, you also said something interesting that like here you are either being selected and, and maybe also agreeing like, oh, I, I, I like to lead prayer or this is something that's giving you some satisfaction. And so these, these two worlds of like just the singing and the, and the pop world and the musical world, but you're also at a Jewish day school where, um, and for those who are listening who don't, necessarily know that's a you know full day five day a week with a mix of jewish studies and secular studies but it, at your school and was it particularly uh like what denominant was it conservative orthodox and as a as a young woman as a girl how did that kind of bump up against you leading and things like that yeah totally i mean so i went to a conservative day school up until eighth grade Mm -hmm. um 
and that where, was where was this in in New Jersey okay. in Bergen County. So at the okay. time, I think that I, you know, it was before that I had language for like non-binary or different gender identities and things like that. And so I definitely identify with being gendered as a woman, as a girl in those spaces, and uh, that kind of being a girl being a woman really impacted the way that I you know did or didn't have room to to grow yeah. and and to be now I identify as non-binary mm-hmm. but at the time you know uh that was still very significant part yeah. of my identity and um you know in the conservative world it was all about you know egalitarianism, egalitarianism. like we're being you know traditional but but women can also participate and that space didn't have any kind of gender you know nuance like especially at that time it was still there are mm-hmm. girls and boys right so so yeah i mean there it was i was definitely empowered to lead and in my family i went to a, a synagogue a jewish synagogue in mm-hmm. which girls and women and people who aren't men do also lead services okay but i went to an orthodox high school an orthodox yeshiva high school where women were not allowed to sing and I think actually my experience in high school did set me back a lot because that was a lot of my developmental years when people who had kind of done music before that were really growing into it and exploring and experimenting. Right. And those weren't parts of my identity that I was growing into so much because firstly, the music and arts at my high school was not big and mm. not like a highly resourced. Okay. Um, but but um, also, I couldn't sing. I couldn't sing solo. I couldn't like be a vocalist in a band. You know, you had to have at least three women singing at the same time in order to sing. So I guess I could have done. But you can't do individual harmonies because that's considered like an individual voice. So I'm shaking my head. No one can see this. I'm shaking my head while as 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 Marnie, you're speaking, and one it it, it like it raises up in me this immense anger and frustration, and now it's but but I'm feeling that as a man and identify as a man. And now I'm thinking of, of you at the time, one, were you, were you at even at that point questioning or, or considering your identity, mm-hmm. one, and number two was what was it like to be in that situation and feel like, what, I can't do this? Mm. Like, was there a, did you uh, fight it? Did you ask why or was it a quiet thing or was it like, sorry, that's the, that's the way. So I had two questions, but I, Wonder if there's if there's a connection as you were becoming into yourself and figuring out who you your identity, um, mm-hmm. and how it's overlaying with this experience of music and singing or not singing. It's interesting. I I'll start with the one about if I fought it or how I responded to sure. it. So I I think that I grew up with a range of family in terms of like religious observance and beliefs and politics. You know, on one side, very conservative, very like yeshivish, uh, religious. You know, I know I'm throwing around terms that some <laughs> of the listeners maybe don't understand, but um, just more conservative, uh, traditionally rabbinically observant mm-hmm. Jews. And then on the other side, had reformed Jewish family. Conservative with a small c. Yeah, like, conservative okay. with it, like politically conservative yeah. um, and, and religiously conservative. Yeah. Much more traditional. And then I grew up with reform family on the other side and, you know, grew up in, in, a, in an observant community. And I think that in Teaneck, the neighborhood that I grew up in, the feeling that I had as a young person was like, my Judaism is never enough. Somebody's doing it better than me. Somebody's doing it more than me. 
Um, and I wanted people to, I loved Judaism so much and I so badly wanted people to see my Judaism mm. as authentic enough and as like real enough and to see me as knowledgeable and caring and practicing. So in those important developmental years, especially when I went to, I went to a school called Frisch, I just really wanted to be accepted. Like I, I was still feisty, like in my in my religious studies classes, I'd ask questions about gender or like I would push back sometimes. Um, you know, I wrote uh, an essay for a, a pluralistic summer program that I did about how women had been passing down kind of power in my family and how um, having three sisters and not being a man and growing up in, in a family mm. where kind of gender was empowered, but also in spaces where gender was really distant, certain gender identities were disempowered, kind of the dissonance and tension between that. But I think for a long time, I just really wanted to be accepted by Orthodox Jews. And I really wanted Orthodox right. Jews to take my Judaism seriously, which I think a big part of the egalitarian observant community or the more rabbinically observant Jewish community that is egalitarian and that includes all genders, they just also have this complex where they just want to be taken seriously by, uh, by Orthodox Jews. Um, and, and I'm definitely in a very different place, but I didn't yeah. fight because I was like, well, they know more than me. They, they know all these words and they know all these things. And sometimes sure. my peers at school, they did not know more than me about anything. If anything, they cared so much less about Judaism than me. But because they went to a certain synagogue and had a certain rabbi, um, and their parents were dressed a certain way or mm -hmm. you know, bought from a certain grocery store, their Judaism was considered you know, more, more. More authentic, right. Authenticity, yeah. that's a really interesting word. So, so that so in terms yeah. of in terms of the music and the singing, yeah. I I didn't feel empowered to do that in that space. Um, but I also did tell my friends that you know I sing, and I never once internalized the idea that I shouldn't be singing in an explicit way. So I just didn't sing in those spaces um, because I didn't want to offend or disrespect or disrupt it. Uh, so even if I personally believed, right. you know, my voice is my voice and I should be able to use it and sing with it and it, sh it can be heard. In those spaces, I just didn't want to step on anyone's feet and I wanted to be taken seriously. And, and I was, because I had such a range of experiences around me, I was just taught to, to just, you know, when in Rome, right? Like, right. do like the other, And the, the, the thing I, was, I wanted to pick up on as, I, as you were speaking about it is, is maybe people asking, well, why couldn't you sing? Like, what's the deal with women singing and there's this idea of kol isha, yeah, and that it's um, it that a woman's voice will um, be seductive and will, will will make a man have impure thoughts. Yeah. So therefore, we restrict women are not allowed to sing in public, and that's why you have a lot of like, you know, boys choirs, the boys before they their voice drops, and you have these these high voices, and exactly. they're, they're they're sort of these renowned singers, and that too must have been like, huh? Yeah, I, I had some really difficult experiences in high school where it was like everyone would just be like fawning over, you know, this person's voice. And I'm like, why can't <laughs> I get the solo? Yeah. Or like if I were up there leading the prayer, like, yeah. wow. But um, yeah, so it was definitely painful, I think, in a lot of settings where you have all this celebration of all these boys' voices, right? Because really, if you're not a cis man or a boy, like mm -hmm. you can't sing. Um publicly in that way we did have a choir that was like multi-gender but mm. it 
again, it, it's not the same and you don't, you don't really get to perform and develop yourself as a soloist. And like, I am a soloist and I am yeah. vocalist. I love singing in community and I also love using my voice as a solo vocalist. And that was something that I, that I couldn't do. So, yeah. Yeah. And the other issue that that's, that you mentioned was just talking about your identifying as non-binary. Yeah. And so that's evolving. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe talk a little bit about that if, if you're okay with it in, in the sense of like how that's help shaping your identity, mm. but both as a, as a non-binary uh, adult, but also as a, as a singer yeah. and where that's kind of, kind of cr- crisscrossing. Yeah. That's really interesting. I haven't thought so much about my identity as a non-binary person and being a singer, being a musician. Um, as much. Mm. I will say at the time I didn't have language for any of those things. I remember always hating single gender spaces. Like anytime everyone told me, you know, all the women here, all the men here, girls here, boys here. Like I, even at my, you Mm. know, Ramah Jewish summer camp, I hated it. Like it always felt very uncomfortable for me. And I always had a sense of like, I had a lot of close friends that were boys. I had a lot of close friends that were girls. Why are we dividing this way? Yeah, exactly. And I I always felt like I was supposed to choose. Like, I'm like, I'm just a human being. Like why? Uh I didn't have kind of gender language at the time. I wasn't exposed to those, those terms, but I just felt in a deep way, like I don't belong here or here. Um, and I definitely feel a lot of connection to experiences of people that are not cis men, you know, historical oppression and all of those things. Um, but I think there are non-binary people in all spaces and gender very much is a spectrum and it's fluid and there's lots of different ways to talk about it. And we have one system of talking about it as, you know, men and women, but that's really evolving. And I, I remember also having a conversation with my mother in high school where, you know, we were talking about identities that are really central to us. And yeah. she was talking about how being a woman was so important to how she felt as a person. And I just didn't feel that way. I was like, I don't feel like being a woman, like that that's a category. Besides for the oppression that comes with being gendered as a woman, it didn't feel like central to Marnie as a human in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, so, th- so, so I really started thinking about those things and feeling those things from summer camp at an early age and in high school. I think because of my TikTok page and because of having such a broad audience and, and being able to sing and make music in new spaces, it's actually been a huge help in allowing me to express my gender and be myself. TikTok is a very diverse platform with lots of different kinds of people on it. Um, and over the pandemic too, you didn't have to, I wonder if they're gonna find trends later mm-hmm. on that yeah. people came out, whether their sexuality, their gender over the pandemic, because right. it was like a softer place to to figure yourself out and slowly come into That's that. That's so interesting, yeah. Because you didn't have to be public right away about right. everything all the time because we were all so isolated. So so yeah. I think definitely being a musician has helped give me uh, give me the confidence. You're, crea- you're a creator of, of melodies, sometimes spontaneous and sometimes something that's, that's thought out and planned out. You need to talk a little bit about that and yeah. where that begins for you. So it's, it's funny because I recently found old recordings of myself from when I was 18 of songs I was writing and making up. And I was like, I don't remember writing music when I was 18 or like 
when was the first song that I ever wrote or really was like, I can record this melody and put it and, and, and tell myself that it's a song. Um, I didn't really have, again, any musical encouragement mm. in, in high school, culturally or socially. None of my friends' parents were musicians. Nobody was a musician. It wasn't, not that I knew of, right? right. That wasn't what, what I was exposed to. There probably were people at my school whose parents were musicians. <laughs> I just didn't, they weren't in my sphere as right. much. So I think, um, and I wasn't around too many. I had one friend in high school who wrote songs. We, I was really into mm. like indie folk music and she wrote. Who were you into? Give me some names um, that you were listening to. <laughs> at the time, let's see. Vampire Weekend, okay. um, The Head in the Heart, mm-hmm. um, The Oh Hellos, Big Bear, uh, Miniature Tigers, right. Mumford and Sons. Mumford and Sons, okay. Uh, um, it's a little bit of Coldplay. There was like this alt uh, uh, arcade fire. Arcade fire. Like, yeah, there was this alt rock type thing and then mm-hmm. this like indie rock type yeah. thing. Okay. And those, th- that's what was in. Uh, in my in my high school okay um, I just ha- have been having a reconnection with Mumford and Sons recently mm. their old music but <laughs> um, also somebody named ba- Matt Corby I used to listen to music on this website called eight tracks eight I don't tracks. know if you heard of it it was mm. kind of like Pandora type thing okay. where you could get people made playlists mm. called eight tracks and there was one called mellow mood and mm. It had this great song, Please Me Like You Want To by Ben Harper. Sure. Who also I love. And um, another song by Matt Corby, this person I never heard of, Brother. He is actually a very big influence for me vocally. Mm. Um, He has this very big, beautiful, soulful voice. And I think some of his musical modes and styles that they're not as lyrically driven. He uses words and he still has nice words. But it's really about the melody and the voice. Um, so he's a, definitely, I've listened to so much of his music and it's a big influence for me. And I uh, took a gap year and I also found recordings from that year of me writing music. But mm. in college, I got to college, I went to Wesleyan uh-huh. and there were a lot of people who went there to be musicians also. You know, MGMT graduated from Wesleyan and also we okay. have like an ethnomusicology program and there's a lot of kind of indie artists coming out of there and also a lot of film people go there for film reasons. Right. And it was a very artsy kind of scene. Hmm. And people were coming from LaGuardia High School and these schools in L.A. where they were set on being musicians and they came into college knowing I'm going to be a musician. I just never been exposed to that world before. It was like a whole wow. music culture was like a culture. I just wasn't. You feel like I'm finding my people? I felt. Or? Well, so what happened was. I was the one thing I knew I really wanted in college was to be in an acapella group mm. because I hadn't been able to sing. <laughs> right. I hadn't been able to sing all of high school. And I was like, yeah. I want to sing. I looked up because I took a gap year. So I mm-hmm. knew what group I wanted to get into <clears> like, two years before I got there. <laughs> and I tried out for this group called Quasimodal, got in and sang with them. And that was a transformative experience because a lot of the people in the group were also musicians on campus and in Mm. bands and singing. And we also, as a group, did a lot of improvisation, co-creating, vocal jams, things I had never been exposed to, like going to the stairwell in the music studios, which was just this incredibly resonant space and like vocal jamming. Someone would lay down the line and then people would just add on top of it. And at some point I organized a big jam 
my senior year uh-huh. in the in the stairwell and Ooh. i invited all musicians so it was voices people had wind instruments and their guitars and keys and mm-hmm. xylophone like people brought really fun stuff i actually have I love it. a recording of it but so so i did start to to musically explore to lead some musical spaces teaching tunes soloing yeah. singing with people and being exposed to music but i was too intimidated by that world to actually be like i'm going to you know be in a band and I did perform at one of the Battle of the Bands nights. Uh-huh. So I did do a lot of music on campus, but um, I was always comparing myself and was like, I'm not, doing, I'm not doing it as seriously as other people. And there are people that kind of know music better than me. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until after I graduated that I started writing songs. When I was living in DC after graduation, I started really you know, writing things, recording them and working on them and being like- And when you um, say things, do you mean what, like what kind of things were you were you starting? Um, was it Jewish? Was it English? Was it was it? English secular music. Okay. Yeah. So, singer songwriter. Singer songwriter type okay. stuff on the piano. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You want to play a little bit? Something you have something you can. You, you yeah, I can. Okay. Let's see. I've been waiting for you to let go of the grudge. Oops. I've been waiting for you to let go of the grudge that I know sits inside of your heart cause I decided to start something we couldn't finish all the while we were in it we tried so hard just to win back something that was lost but there's there's so much going on there musically and it's beautiful and this is like you just kind of finding your voice exactly yeah which is really cool and 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 yet there's a lot of com, you know complexity in the melody it's not it's kind of a straightforward bring your microphone a little bit closer it's not, it's not yes. like a straightforward thing which is which is awesome and my question then is so from that so there, there's this there's like identities where right? there's a, there's your identity musically speaking as listening to you know these as you said alt rock and indie rock artists and you're starting to write and then there's the Jewish songstress part of you so where where is that living yeah. and where does it sort of either merge at or sort of yeah. take that trail to that's what you're doing totally is there a moment there where Hmm. Yeah, I think when I started the TikTok page was really when it merged. I mean, Mm. I was involved in this community in D.C. called the New Synagogue Project. I was writing. I was kind of coming up with my own music, finding my voice. And then I started going to these Rosh Chodesh, like new month song circles with Mm -hmm. them and Kabbalah Shabbat and, you know, was really wanting to get involved in leading. I missed praying and I hadn't led prayer space in a bit and had you been praying had you been finding just to to jump in because now i'm I'm, it's a question for me it's like is there a thread of prayer and spirituality that's kind of yeah consistent or did you leave it and come back to it totally so i was i i left it in high school right because i wasn't able to pray and i kind of started questioning god and really kind of went off that path then i but I also worked for this um, 
I went on this Jewish pluralistic, two Jewish pluralistic summer programs where that was the, those were the first places where even though in school and in my neighborhood, I couldn't be free spiritually, there was really cool prayer stuff going on. And one summer in Jerusalem, I also found, you know, these really cool, <laughs> um, innovative Jewish prayer spaces yeah. that were doing music, like Nava Tehillah was right. that summer in high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, really changed what I saw the potential for Jewish music space to be as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I had always been kind of singing in community with people on Shabbat, on the weekend, yeah. in prayer spaces. So that thread kept, even though I wasn't leading those prayer spaces. Right. And then in, 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 high, in college, after, I was like, you know, I'm, I finally have a space. It's not orthodox. It's not even observant. Nobody has any expectations for what Jewish life should be. Mm-hmm. I can do this kind of service that I want to do. And I was also working for this Jewish pluralistic summer program Mm. while in college. So during the summers, I was soaking in these new melodies and new prayer experiences. And then during the year, I would like lead a musical Kabbalah Shabbat, very much this style Mm kind of thing. I'd invite my friend who was a violinist and I invited my cello player friend and Uh a guitarist who I lived with. And I even brought in people (laughs) from outside the Jewish community. It was like whoever I could find. So the musical space that I was quote unquote performing in in college in a in a more band like way yeah. it was usually a prayer space hmm. and um so i did at least you know a few times a year like a musical kablat shabbat service um and and that was really where i started to build like what does it look like for me to imagine jewish prayer spaces the way i would want to participate in them and the way that would feel welcoming to me and all voices and to cherry pick like or not cherry pick but to finding the melodies that are really resonating with you and then you're starting to create your own melodies yeah do you remember the first melody that you created or some version of like it? jewish melody like jewish yeah. yeah oh god you don't have to sing it for us yeah no the can. one that's really <laughs> resonating with me it's not the first one that i created yeah okay um but you know during the pandemic i was coming up with a lot of stuff the um yeah, this Ahavara Batun that I that um, I now like put out on my SoundCloud mm-hmm. is really one of the first ones that came to me. Um, but yeah, what was the first Jewish melody that I ever <laughs> created? It was probably the that Yadid Nefesh tune, and I think it's funny because it shows like it's very it, it moves a lot melodically, and it's not it's not focused on being catchy as much as it's fo- like just following the feeling of the melody. Can you and sing a little bit of it? Yeah. This is Yadina Fish. Yeah, and that's it's beautiful. And I, I think you you hit it in terms of of what it's trying to capture, which is just a flow. There's there's a, and as you were singing it just now, for me it was an immediate sense of I'm, I'm on something. I'm on a wave, mm. and I and I was thinking, you know, I I'm cool with wherever this goes. Mm. And I'll catch a piece of it. I think some of the beauty of a nigun and the the nigunim that you're writing the nigunim that 
that you're that you've been sharing is is that feeling that the melody is like i don't know the image i have is like just a flowing stream mm-hmm. and you catch it and you and i would want to just offer my voice here and then as i'm feeling i think that's the, the power of the nigun is that we're going to come back to this like three or four or five more times so don't worry don't 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 concern yourself with like i'm teaching this the whole thing and now we're gonna but right just just catch it right. just catch it and which is a very different way of like teaching melody and it's it's so now to me it's like oh that's the most obvious way like i'll, I'll sing a song and I'll sing it once and then you'll come back next week i'll sing it again if you come back 20 times eventually you'll know it without the explicit you know now we're learning the song and, and it's it's a little disarming for some people because I think they're used to like whatever way they, the normative way of teaching music. Which we get from, um, we, the normative way we get comes straight out of like music institutions and right. like classical music spaces, which is re- repeat, repeat, mm-hmm. repeat, li- listen, repeat. Right. Uh, it's, it's conducting, it's directing the way you might learn in a choir. Here's your part, sing it. Right. Sing it again, here's right. the part, sing it again. And here are the notes and yeah. here's where we're going. And all of that, which is you know, constraint and this, and, and it's written out and, and there is a place for that. I don't, I don't mean to, to, and, in, in, um, denigrate it, but this is different. And it's also about, you know, creating a prayer opportunity that mm-hmm. someone's going to sit, settle into this in prayer. And do you remember like what that's been like for you to hear your melodies in prayer, mm. both as, as a leader, but then also to sort of set, step back and say, wow, people are singing this. Like, what's, been, what's that been like for you? Yeah. It's very powerful, and it's also very powerful to see where people take it. So this Ahavara Ba melody that, you know, I, I sang in community a bunch, just hearing other people's voices kind of carry the tune or other people's strings or other people's flutes is mm. very, very powerful to see it come to life and also transform and for parts to change or parts to be added. I have this other melody called Tranquility that is just a song about water. Mm. And I taught it to my sisters on a family road trip to Nashville. Ooh. And all of a sudden, my sisters are this chorus of voices singing this tune. Can you sing like, a little bit of it? Yeah. I was like, this is so beautiful. <laughs> By the waters moving free, move with tranquility. trying to think like yeah most of the like melodies that I've written yeah they're not loop they're not loopable <laughs> it's like oh my god I know it's just funny what? yeah it's funny because the melodies are like looping it's like it's like looping is like nigun and then there's like writing songs you know ah. they feel different so let's talk For about this reason. looping thing when did you find so Marnie loops Everyone's like, uh-huh. So talk about that. You have a box, which we can't see because yeah. we're just listening to this. But you have a little box. It looks like the kind of box you'd see like 
for an electric guitar, you plug in your cable and your microphone, and it allows you to do what? It allows you to create layers, basically, to set down kind of a foundation line, a motor melody, mm-hmm. and then and then add layers on top of it. So you could create a you know, four-part harmony or... All by yourself. All by yourself with some counter melody. for the pandemic. When Perfect you for the... Exactly. <laughs> for the pandemic when you literally have no one else to create harmonies with. Um, and... Yeah, it's super, super fun. Do you want to demonstrate? This was a fun, this is actually a funny loop that I came up with where the melody felt very, very different from the words. Then you can use that mic, yeah. Okay, Okay. this one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Stormy days, stormy nights, stormy days, stormy nights. Stormy days, stormy nights, 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 stormy days. Stormy nights, stormy days, 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 stormy nights, stormy Stormy nights, stormy days, 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 stormy nights, stormy That's like one thing. I could do another one if you want, but that's that's like. And that was so that was silly playing around. Just silly playing around. But the um, do do you find it now? Now we're coming back into live singing. Yeah. Uh, Does the looper feel like you still like it? You still love it, or is was it was it something that got you through the pandemic Mm. in a certain way, or do you feel like you're asking yourself how do I incorporate this? into a communal setting communal setting yeah i think i think it really depends on the context so for example at camp this summer um 
working, you know, cre- or just creating tefillah spaces, communal music sp- uh, and prayer spaces, mm-hmm. there are some ways in which it's really beautiful. So there's this loop called, how, how, or a song called How Can I, mm-hmm. that has these basic ooze underneath of it, which I was doing yesterday. Yeah. Um, and you can set down this just beautiful ooh harmony mm-hmm. and sing over it. These lyrics, how can I, how can I, how can I feel a little more blank today? Mm. It's by Ba'i Levine. Mm-hmm. And, um, and invite people to add words in. How can I feel a little more soft today? How can I feel a little more easy today? And you have these harmonies that kind of get people in a mood without people having to carry the harmonies, um, which can be really nice because it sets a mood and it gives you kind yeah. of a musical it embraces you with harmony. Yeah, and, and I, th- I love that. And I like how you um, how you phrase that because I think some people, many people maybe, they're not singers or they're, or they're self-conscious. And now they don't have to feel like, oh, it's all up to me. There's this bed into which I can come in and maybe grab that harmony, which seems something, which is, the, the I was smiling as you were doing that Stormy Day thing because... It seems very, for you, very like easy to just find the harmony and then lay it, lay it on, which is really much harder than it looks or much harder than it sounds. Is that something that just came, has come naturally to you or is that something that you have had to work at or maybe a little bit of mm. both? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I have both had to work at it a little bit and I think it does come naturally to me. I haven't studied music traditionally. Mm-hmm. I took guitar lessons. I took voice lessons. I'm not a very. You took guitar lessons for like two months, and then I took, <laughs> I took voice lessons for about five years when mm. I was younger. But I'm I'm really not a strong music reader, and I was in a choir in high school, Hazamir, yeah. a Jewish international sure. choir. Um, and I could follow kind of movements of notes, and if I spend three months reading music in a choir, it get you know it's a language, right. and if you haven't spoken it in a while, it kind of wears off. Yeah. But, um, and I've picked up music theory, ideas from my friends. So when I am singing harmonies, I kind of know what's going on or what I'm doing. But it really, you know, I I wasn't trained so much in like, yeah, understanding music theory, reading, reading music, no music classes in high school, no music classes in college, haven't studied formally. And for me, I think I just hear lots of things and I don't, I know more than the average person about what's going on harmonically, but I know a lot less than most musicians about what's going on and what I'm doing. And just like hear this thing and hear that Mm -hmm. thing. Like if I have the basic landscape of notes for a song, it's like, Oh, okay. Let me play around and see what happens. And it's funny because in no other place in my life, am I that relaxed or casual about things? (laughs) But when it comes to music, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't need to like figure out what the right note is or what I'm supposed to do. It's like, why do you Let's think just that like is? listen and hear it and figure it out. So what's what's that's interesting. And and it right, it's the one place where like learning by doing comes a lot more naturally than hmm. figuring out first and then doing. Um and it's of course a spectrum, I think. But I think that yeah, for me music is just such an invitation to to play around, to connect with others, to to listen and open your ears and just be attuned to the present moment and what's coming up. And um, I think I need that in my life. I think everyone needs a little bit of that. Everyone needs a space where you can just 
be present and not need to know in advance and not need to be exactly ready for everything that's coming, but just go with it. And that's not everything musically that I do, right? Like Mm -hmm. if I'm doing something specific, I practice for it. But that's why I love improvisation and jamming and all of that with people because we are under a lot of stress as people to constantly be kind of high performing and well polished and show up knowing everything and having everything ready. And I think that it's a lot of pressure in a world that is like so high demand and very stressful where production expectations are very high. So for me, having a creative space that's really about listening, enjoying, experimenting is just very, very important. It's nourishing, it's therapeutic. I mean, I know you were talking about having done music therapy at some point in your life and doing creative music education. Like for me, that is the goal of music. It's to, it's it's meant to be a healing place. It's meant to be a, a creative and therapeutic space. And not a space that breaks you down and breaks you apart. Um, It should be something that builds a person up. And so it's so special for me that, you know, I feel lucky to have this instrument that I can just sing to myself and make myself feel better or listen and just create. And that's, it's always available to me. Yeah. And not just, um, not just to you, but just your, your ability to share that gift both on TikTok to what do you say, eleven thousand followers? That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's impressive. Yes. <laughs> and but but seriously, like I love the idea that it's a it's almost a very subversive thing that in the land of TikTok, in the world of TikTok, in the ocean of TikTok, there is this voice, and hopefully more. Like I'm sure people are like, I that's cool. I'm, I maybe I'll do that too. Like there's an, there's a there's a point of connection that you know you're reaching people, and reaching people live and now back in person, and that's beautiful. Yeah, it's awesome. Amazing. So thank you, Marnie. I'm, I can't think of a better way to just, because you, your words really resonate and mm. just so grateful that we could have this time to talk and hear about what you're doing and how you're doing it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. This was lovely. 